Welcome along to the Go Play Soccer podcast with host Manchester United Academy coach Tom Statham. At Go Play, our aim is to bring people together from all across the world to discuss the beautiful game. Tom Statham here, and today we're going to talk about university soccer in the USA with Ruben Burke, head men's coach at Connecticut College. Ruben led the team to the 2021 NCAA Division III Men's Soccer National Championship, the first time a team from Connecticut College has won a national championship in any sport. As a result, Ruben and his assistant, Andrew Stoughton, have been named the 2021 NCAA Men's Division III National Coaching Staff of the Year by the United Soccer Coaches. And joining us are two of Ruben's players, Stephen Jonas and Augie Jurgi. So many congratulations, Ruben, Stephen and Augie, and welcome to the Go Play Soccer podcast. Thank you, Tom and Darren and, and Jim for having us. It's a great season, Def- definitely a roller coaster, lots of highs, lots of lows. But uh, now that we have time to reflect on it, it was it was an incredibly rewarding season. And um, the team showed a lot of growth that we can talk about, I think, throughout the season. Yeah, sure. But initially, just for people that aren't familiar with the, the way that university soccer works in the States, tell us about your role as head coach. What are your responsibilities? Well, my my role changed after about a year and a half being here. So I was the assistant coach and then 2019 became the head coach. But I suppose if you break it down, what the head coach at most universities is responsible for is building the program, recruiting and retaining students. So developing the roster. When you're in the season, weekly training, managing the games, uh, preparing the team. And then when you're out of season, continuing with recruiting, but helping players in in a mentorship capacity with uh, academic and, and leadership and community service initiatives as well. So you oversee them as people and their academics as well as just their, their soccer? Yeah, me and our assistant, we meet with the players on on a biweekly basis throughout the academic calendar, providing um, uh, advice, time management skills, uh, communication skills with their professors, uh, track their grades and, and, you know, help with uh, career objectives as well. So you're bringing not only your your soccer knowledge and your your skills as a a coach um, in, in a particular sport, you're having to bring other other things as well to help the kids not only get through the soccer program, but to get through their education too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> don't get me wrong. Soccer is my forte and and what I love the most, but I think when you're at a school for four years, you're a student athlete, right? So it should be about a holistic experience and any advice and, and help I can give these guys to better prepare them for, for the next 30 years after their four years here, you know, is, is definitely my responsibility. Yeah, absolutely. And when does your, your season start, you know, describe your, you know, you've just had an amazing season now. So, but when you were crowned the, you know, the D3 national champions. So when did that season start? Was that in August? Yeah. Yeah. So the season, the season kicks off with, uh, with what is you refer to as a preseason for that, for us, that's about, Truth be told, it's probably only a week long, uh, and that starts late August. Our our first game of the season is is usually first week of September, and and yeah, once once preseason is over and, and the regular season starts, it's it's a whirlwind. Uh, and most college coaches would 
would say that to be fair, regardless of the division. I think D1, D2, and D3, most schools are playing twice a week. So it's about, you know, managing the squad, preparing them, working on our team identity, but at the same time, you know, constantly scouting and, and preparing for different types of opponents. And what I can share with you is this year wasn't easy, certainly because of COVID. Our first two games of the year got postponed, not because our team had COVID, but just because it was spreading on campus. And so that was a difficult decision that the school made. And we went into the first game of the season versus Wheaton not having practiced for five days. So from an outsider's perspective, it's it's probably wild the fact that we lost the first game of the season and, and ended up winning the national championship. So we quickly regrouped and because of the COVID situation, we had extra double headers to fit in the two missed games at the beginning of the season. As the season went on, like you know, like most successful teams, I think we grew, we strengthened, and we played some of our best soccer in November and December. So the whole season is is really crammed in, isn't it? So it's September, yeah. October, November, December. That's your whole season, mm-hmm. four months. And you, you start off by playing conference games and, and you're in the NESCAC. So, so tell us a bit about that conference and how that works with universities put into conferences. You know, I'm, I'm probably not an expert to speak on on this subject, but but it's my impression that schools are put in conferences that are like-minded in terms of academic ranking, uh, location, size of the school, the board of trustees, philosophy in terms of how much they want to devote financially to athletics. So those sorts of things. But yeah, our conference is the NESCAC and it's you know widely regarded as kind of the quote unquote division three Ivy League. I think all the schools uh, in our conference are top 40 academically ranked in the nation and uh and and, and as kind of a and kind of as a result of of the academic situation a lot of kids that you find in the NESCAC for men's soccer maybe maybe could have played division 1 but they see the NESCAC as a great alternative cuz um it's a great academic uh conference and at the same time they get to play in in the best D3 men's soccer conference. So, you know, truth be told, Con, Amherst, Middlebury, Tufts, any any of those teams this year could have won the national championship. I think it's a, it's a loaded conference, fortunate to be a part of it. I think when you do well in the NESCAC, you're prepared to do well in the national tournament because it's it's a competitive game every Saturday. Right. Let's bring the the guys in, the the players. We've got Steve and we've got Augie. So Fellas, what what are your experiences at Connecticut? Why did why did you choose Connecticut? And uh, you know, and has it lived up to the expectations so far? It must have done have been national champions, right? Yeah, I mean, I'd say that I came in as a freshman, and Connecticut College was probably ranked top four in the conference. But I did not think by my junior senior year we'd be you know national champions, but I mean, it has certainly lived up to my expectation. Every season here, it's been a a great experience for me. I think I've grown as a player and a person. I think when I came in as a freshman, I was a left back. And then in this last season, I played left wing, right wing, attacking mid, left back. So I feel like I've 
gotten the full experience on the field and off the field. Oh, that's fantastic. And Augie, uh, both of you, both you and Steve have, have been uh, named all Americans. Now for, for someone that's been brought up and, and had other football experiences in England, I'm not quite sure what that means. Can you describe what it means to be an all American, please? Uh, yeah. So all American, the way the system works in college soccer is uh, there's voting panels within coaches within all the regions of the country. So we're in the New England region. So those teams come out, I think, the beginning of, of November, and there's three teams, first team, second team, third team. So me and Steve were both selected to the first team all New England region. And there's oh, t- 10 regions within the entire country. So every first team region player from all the 10 regions qualifies to be voted for All-Americans. So that's a pool of about probably 150 players that get put into the poll for All-American voting. And there's another national poll that the coaches vote on for those, just those first team players. And then they release the All-America teams, which is, I think, around 40 players. And then the Scholar All-American teams, which is you have to maintain a 3.4 GPA to be eligible for a Scholar All-American. Wow. So basically, the, the both of you have, have got selected to the very, very top in the whole of the country, the very top of, of, of kids going to D3 schools playing soccer, not just for your, your play on the field, but also because you're doing well in your studies off the field as well. Yeah, yeah. So. Wow, that, that's fantastic. And that, that you must be very proud of yourself and very proud. And, and Ruben, you must be extremely proud of, of the guys, not only for, for their achievements on the field, but, you know, to get that recognition and and to be bringing kids through that are achieving uh, uh, soccer but also achieving in the classroom too yeah absolutely your experience as a student athlete shouldn't just be about soccer it should, it should be about you know what you do in all facets of life and to have over a 3.5 and be a main contributor on a highly competitive team i think that says a lot about you as a person so absolutely and, and so steve what what year are you in at the moment? Are you a junior at the moment? So uh, Augie and I are currently seniors now. Oh, you seniors! Final so year. We took off the fall semester in COVID. So if we hadn't have done that, it would have been our senior season this past fall. But it was actually our junior season. So oh, okay, we're coming back for one more. Wow, um, which is ex- super exciting. Yeah, well. You got to repeat then, surely. Connecticut, exactly. the favourites for next year. That's the goal. Yeah. <laughs> and what what do you study? I study psychology. Okay. And and over there in the states, you do two years where you do general education, don't you? Then two years of your major. Is that correct? Um, the first year is kind of like y- you figure out what you you want to do, and then after yeah. that, it's all about m- okay studies. And Augie, what about you? What are you studying? Uh, so I'm majoring in economics and uh, I'm minoring in finance, um, oh. something along the accounting route. Um, so, yeah, I think something I want to bring up, what Ruben was talking about earlier, about the whole holistic um, experience, is yeah. that a lot of the guys in the Division three level, even in Division one level in, in college soccer, don't end up playing soccer as a profession. I mean... So Ruben's job is, yeah, help us succeed on the field, but he wants to develop as, as people off the field because we're not going to be, most of us at least, aren't going to be able to make a living off of playing soccer. So it's about developing the whole, uh, and de- developing kids that come in as freshmen into young adults and they leave as seniors. Absolutely, yeah. And, and you know, hopefully by the time you leave, you, 
you've got um, a resume that is just chock full of not only the everything you've learned in the classroom, but by being part of a team and a soccer team and a successful soccer team, you're learning all those other skills as well. So hopefully your future career is just going to be enhanced by all that. So, you know, it's, it's obviously a great program. And, and as a student athlete, you know, what, what do you want from your head coach? What are you looking for? What, what, what makes a great college head coach? I think, you know, a great college head coach is someone who can push us on the field, but also, you know, hold us accountable in the classroom as well. And I think Ruben does that because every once every two weeks, we have to meet with him to discuss our academics. And I think, you know, having that standard is super important. And also on top of that, if you don't get a 3.2 in a semester, you're on academic sheets, which means each week you have to have your professor sign off that you were in class and then give it to coach. So it kind of holds you accountable, um, which is a good system. Absolutely. What about you, Augie? What what are you looking for from, from a head coach helping you on and off the field? Um, I think one very important thing is having a coach who's very uh, relatable and approachable. You know, just being able to go into his office on a middle of the week after class and if I have any problems, tell him about it, be open about it, have a very good relationship both ways. And then also something about Ruben that I admire that he's, he, yeah, he's a head coach, but he's still a student of the game. I mean, he's watching film every day, all day. He loves watching soccer. He's reaching out to other coaches, asking for advice about how to better himself every day so he can help us get better. Um, really just that commitment to getting better every day as a coach helps us get better as players every day and as people. Oh, that's fantastic. It, it, it sounds like you know, this, the success you've had is no accident when you've got you know a coach working as hard as Ruben and you've got guys like you that are, that are performing in the classroom, obviously bringing a lot to the, to the program too. So let's, let's go back. Let's go back now to um, beginning of September. You lost your first game and there was very little prep for it by the sounds of it. And then you went into your um, NESCAC. Is that, is that, am I right in saying that? Yeah. So how many, how many games did you have in your conference? So I just wanted to quickly go back and just paint like a story because I think it's super important to see that our team was comprised of about like 28 guys. Um, and of those guys, only five of us um, were like seniors, I guess, but five of us had had on field experience because wow. our freshmen obviously were new and our sophomores lost a season because of COVID and our juniors, only about two of them had even gotten experience in their freshman season. So our team only had about, four to five guys who had actually started a college soccer game. So even going into the season without COVID, our team had little experience. And so for us to lose our first game and then have to adjust and improve. And then at the end of the year, you know, play amazing soccer was incredible to see, but to go back to your original question, we lost our first game and then we went up to Maine and played Bates on Saturday. And that game was like the real test for us because we were 0-1. And if we don't win our first conference game, it's going to be a long season. And we come out and 
thrash them 5-1. Wow. I think in that game, it really showed us that our season's not over. You know, we are a great team. And the very next day, we played Colby and beat them 1-0. So off the bat, now we're 2-0 in conference play. And it was a turnaround moment for us, I'd say. And you're playing back-to-back games, you know, play one on Saturday, one on Sunday. Yeah, the the college soccer season is uh, definitely (laughs) takes a toll on the body, especially with the two cancellations we had. They added to another doubleheader. So I think by the end of the season, we had played eight doubleheaders. So so it's not just a test of your your skill and footballing ability. It's also a test of your your fitness and and your desire, really, because when, you know, you get tired and bodies are aching, then you've got to help and drive each other on. So I'm, I'm guessing um, Ruben's leadership, you know, is important, but Ruben, you must have some great leaders within the team as well to, to help you to keep driving the boys on. For sure. And probably other teams sort of test, test this as well. You know, we're, we're fairly new on the block, but teams that have been to the final four before us, I'm sure they would testify what, what continues to keep a program at a high level is the upcoming internal leadership. It's, it's the guys underneath growing, becoming more confident, uh, more vocal, uh, taking more control. As long as you have a, a pipeline of guys continually coming through and stepping up and, and taking more of a leadership role, then I think uh, your team will, will always have a chance. And is that, and I know you're only, um, you know, three years into your, your head coaching career, but is that something that you you consciously want to do is to to give your players responsibility, give your players the opportunity to lead and and contribute to the program? For sure. You know, I think I, I look back on, on my playing time and when I was an underclassman, if just because someone was older than me, doesn't mean that they were, ne- you know, necessarily entitled to be a leader. If it, even if you're young, if you're one of the hardest working, if you're one of the most disciplined, you're punctual, uh, you're coachable. There should be room within the organization for for you to lead others around you. You know, it's it's not about uh, age and what class you're in. It's about what what uh, characteristics and values do you represent, and if 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 you hold yourself to a high standard, others will follow. Absolutely. And that, that's something that, that I very much agree with. I think when you think about leadership um, in sports, people think that, that those people that shout and scream, that that's good leadership, whereas you know, that, that's often not the case. It, it, it's standards, exactly what you just said. It's it's the standards that you set for yourself and the standards that you uh, portray and, and you, you provide for other people to follow as well. So uh, that's fantastic. So you you got you're getting cracking into your um your conference games and you, you win your first two conference games and then how did it go? How many how many conference games do you play in total? Yeah, we played ten conference games. Okay. Um it's relatively short. So basically, I mean, every point matters. You drop points at you can't drop points at home. Can't really drop points at all in the conference. I mean, we <laughs> yeah. went we went eight and two in the conference and finished in first by one point over Amherst. I mean, we only dropped six points total and barely barely finished in first. So there's not really a lot of room for error. So you played 10 conference games. Is that, are there 11 teams in your conference or are there six teams in your conference you play home and away? Uh, there's 11 total. So you play each team yeah. once. You just um, play each team. Yeah. So one yeah, year you'll one. play a team at home and the next year you'll play them away. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Cool. So you finish your conference and then you came top of your conference and that, that qualifies you for the playoffs. So out of your 11 teams, 
how many teams qualify for for the conference playoffs? Uh, there's eight teams in conference postseason. So okay. how that works is we got the one seed. So we played Williams and we played them at home. Were they the eighth seed then? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Eight seed for them, and we uh, won that game two one, and then. Ooh. The next weekend, the semifinals was at our place on Saturday against Colby, who was actually the seventh seed, which was okay. wild. And then Tufts was the three seed, and they were playing Middlebury, who was the six or the four. I kind of forget what they were, but it ended up being us and Tufts in the final, and we actually lost 2-0 in that game. Okay. So that was an- Unfortunately, so you actually you lost your conference, but you still qualified for the NCAA championships. Yeah. Yes. So okay. we lost in the final, but because our regular season was so good, we still qualified. Um, I'd say we were probably like in the NCAA tournament, we were probably the eighth team out of 64. I'd say I'm not okay. exactly sure on that, but we were probably top 10. Um, and I can let Augie speak on that if he wants. That was a yeah. So you take us now to the NCAA playoffs. So you you come through. You lost your your conference final, but you've qualified for the NCAA playoffs, and you're in there as sort of the eight seed out of sixty four. What what happens there? Um, so we actually had the the got the right to hosting the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. That's the round of sixty four is the first round. Sixty four teams make it, um, and everything in the double in the NCAA tournament for Division three is double headers. So we play our first game, the round of 64, on Saturday. And that was against Salem State. We played uh, at 11 a.m. Salem State won their conference, but they were in a, a weaker division than us. So we were expected to win, obviously. And it, it just wasn't our day. We couldn't we couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. I think we missed about six or seven golden chances. And they actually took us all the way to PKs in the very first round wow. at our home field. We had a huge crowd. Like, all the students were there. So it was a really cool environment. And this team took us to PKs. This is this is where he first made his uh, day, uh, his impact. Our freshman goalkeeper Peter, who, okay. who hadn't played all year, uh, he doesn't he wasn't a starting keeper. He came off the bench. But um, when playoffs started, we would practice PKs at the end of every practice, and Peter was just saving everything. So finally, got out to the moment of national PK shootout in the tournament. Ruben made a decision to put him in. Wow! And they shoot first, and the kid shoots to the bottom right, and Peter saves it. Wow. The ref called the ref calls it back because he came off his line early. No, he retakes the very first PK of the, of the shootout. Yeah, same spot, and Peter saves it again. Wow, that fired up the crowd, and then he ended up saving two more PKs, and we won the first round three two. We squeaked by in our home field, and then we had. Hold to on a minute. Did a, you did, hold on a minute? Did you take your penalty? I did, and you scored. And, no, I missed. Oh mine. no. Come keeper, on. keeper, yeah, keeper got a fingertip to it. One all hit, hit the post and then bounced out. No. Um, Stevie took one. He roofed his. Oh, um, okay, cool. Honestly. Yeah. And then um, we played NYU in the second round at our home field. That was the very next day on that Sunday. Right. And I think that was the performance for me where I was like, man, like we can win this whole thing. That that was one of the most full performances our team played all season from start to finish. I mean, NYU was a top twenty-five team in the country. They were ranked 21. We were ranked sixth in that game. And we beat them three nothing, just dominated, passed them off the field, finished our chances. I mean, I think they had like two shots the whole game. Like we really that was that was the game where I was like, this is a team that can that can take it all. 
And what about you, Ruben? Did you have those thoughts too after those first couple of playoff games? I'm probably more reserved than Augie. Um, <laughs> it was, you know, it was, it was a very good game, but uh, I take it one game at a time. You know, try not to try not to think too far ahead. So you you won the first two games at home in in the NCAA playoffs. And who was the next one? Who, who do you play next? So um, from there, it was kind of like a rematch. We got to go up to Tufts and uh, okay. like rematch them because they beat us earlier on. So our Sweet 16 game was against Redlands, who's from California, and that was on Saturday. And we beat them 1-0 off like a last-second goal. Okay. And then on Sunday, it was the rematch against Tufts in the quarterfinal, and it was, you know, their entire school came out to watch. It was a huge crowd. You know, it was like the biggest game. Like, they were like our biggest rival all season long. And so the game starts out, and they score, like, honestly. Also, wait, I want to jump in real quick, Steve. In 2019, when me and Steve were sophomores, we had played tough in the same situation in the Elite Eight, and they knocked us out. They beat us 3-1 and ended our season in 2019. So now it's like a full serve. Yeah. And so our main concern against them was, like, let's not concede a goal, like, right off the bat because, like, we always concede against them in, like, the first, like, five minutes, and then the game is just, like – out of control and so the first like 10 minutes go by and it's still zero zero but then they scored like a goal that was not a great goal it was like bouncing around the guy just like kicked it in so all of a sudden it's one zero them and we're like wow like not again at their field the crowds yelling in our face saying all these things to us but then moments later our senior striker mt who by the way, scored four goals in six games for us in the tournament, just played out of his mind for his last game ever. He scores a header like five minutes later makes it 1-1. But then about 10 minutes later, they score again. So it's 2-1 them, and we're just like, not again. Like, we're always like behind against them. And then with like a minute left, um, a sophomore – who got subbed in, crosses in to Augie, who lays it off to another sophomore who just volleys it top left corner. So it's halftime, 2-2. We're like, this is our game now. And then second half starts, and this sophomore, Jake Cruz, who was a sub all season long and scored five goals off the bench, just had one of the greatest shots I've ever seen. It was a corner kick and it bounced out to him and he volleyed it one time and it went bar down wow. at their field in front of their crowds now three to us and we just go crazy we're like <laughs> now we're gonna win this then we scored two more goals augie scores and mt scores again so it's five to two us wow and this is where it gets kind of like it was scary because they scored two quick goals back to back <laughs> to make it five four with 15 minutes left and their crowd got all this energy again and their players are like, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. And we somehow held on and won the game five, four at their field. Our fans stormed the field. It was a big, it was a big deal for us. You know, it was our first final four in school history for soccer at least. And yeah, it was, it was just wild. It was a 
crazy game. That sounds amazing. What a game! Finished five four. So, so Ruben, what were you like the last fifteen minutes when they when they scored the fourth to make it five four? Ah, uh, yeah, this difficult situation. <laughs> Honestly, my thought process was the best the best defense. As ridiculous as it sounds, my thought process was the best defense was going to be to get a six goal. You continue, you, you continue to try to play your game and uh, not deviate too much. But but yeah, obviously the last five minutes, it's you know try to get the ball into the corners and waste time <laughs> and stuff. But. And the final whistle. Can you remember what you did at the final whistle? Were you cool or were you running all over the place? Uh, same what I do every game. Um, congratulate, uh, shake the other coaches' hands and say well done to uh, our assist, uh, my, my assistant Andrew. And, and then yeah, as as the minutes go by, it starts to sink in for sure. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So so then you're on to the final four. Who do, who did you play in the final four? Um, so we played in the final four. The final four first of all was us, Amherst, who's also from our conference. Who right. lost in the fir- they lost in the first round of the conference tournament and they were the, they were the two seed so they still got a qualification for the NCAA tournament. Okay. Then it was the University of Chicago wow. and Washington and Lee University. Um, so four very good academic schools uh, were all in the final four. We were playing Washington and Lee. Amherst was playing University of Chicago. So where's the, where where's the team that you play? Where are they from in in the country? They're from Virginia. Okay. And did you yeah, play and- home or away or? or- so the final four is hosted at a neutral site and it was in Greensboro, North Carolina. So we ah, flew so down. All four teams traveled down to North Carolina. Wow, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we played Washington Lee and Washington Lee was actually the number one ranked team in the country all year for like 11 straight weeks. Okay. Um, so, and we we never played them before. We, we watched them play once in 2019, so we didn't really know what to expect from them. Um, but they were a team that liked to play. They liked to keep the ball. They had a lot of skillful players. They actually had three All Americans um, on their team, so they had a lot of they had a lot of quality players. And they also their striker was a sophomore, who going into the tournament had six goals in like sixteen games. Then in the six games in the NCAA tournament, he scored eleven goals. Wow! He, yeah, he had like two hat tricks. Like he was he was in form and he was yeah. confident. Yeah. Um, so that game was that game was one of the most even games that I've I played in my life. I mean, we, we both had chances. Both were playing well, like uh, keeping the ball, and they actually broke through first in like the seventy-first minute. They played in that striker, the sophomore. He scored his twelfth goal of the tournament. Wow. We were down one nothing. Yeah. Um. And for the last fifteen minutes of the game, we were really going at them, trying to get the equalizer. Obviously, I missed the golden chance off a free kick, put it just over the bar, and thank God MT came up, came through for us because in like the eighty-fourth minute, eighty-fifth minute. The ball bounces out like 25 yards out. He beats a man, beats another man, gets half a yard, and absolutely rips it from 25 yards out. Top right corner, post and in, tie at 1-1. And then two minutes after that, uh, Washington Lee's best player, their attacking mid, who was playing very well all game, actually hit the crossbar on a free kick and inches away from beating us, gets a red card for oh. a second yellow. So then they're down a man. And we went into overtime and... Actually, in, in overtime in college soccer, it's golden goal. So it's first okay. goal wins. You play two 10-minute periods, first goal wins. Steve can maybe speak on this last play for the game winner. Um, oh, it's a minute left in overtime. Tell us yeah. about the winner, Steve. Yeah, so I think it was about a minute left in the first overtime. 
And Rye, who was a sophomore this past season, just had an incredible season. Like he hit all of our set pieces. He scored a lot, had a lot of assists. He found himself on the left wing, which is not really where he usually is, but he got a pass from one of our defenders. And I looked up and I saw him with the ball and he just whipped in a beautiful cross with his left foot. And I made a run into the box and right as it bounced, I kind of got low and I headed it in the corner and the game was over. And like all the guys just like mobbed me on the field and (laughs) pretty surreal just because like, obviously I was happy to score, but just in that moment, we like realized like we're going to the national final. There's just one game left now. And, you know, a lot of fans came to watch, like my family was there too. So it was an incredible moment. And it was just like that realization that we're so close now, like we just need one game left to be crowned champions. So it it was awesome. Wow. What's going the winning goal. That, That must've been some moment for you and your family being there as well. Yeah, it was awesome. I loved it. And and so the final was that the next day then, you know, because you yeah. like to pack these games in. <laughs> yeah, I just want to say on that, like Augie spoke about it and so did Ruben, but the back-to-back games are just, it's just not built for you to play a full season. Like if you play 90 minutes or more, if it goes to overtime, yeah. you're playing like 24 hours later. Like yeah. you're, you're going to get hurt. Like after those games, I'm so sore and I have to wake up and just, play another full game it's just it's it doesn't make any sense I don't know why we can't get one day rest I would like love that (laughs) but um in the final you know it was against Amherst who's in our conference and okay they're kind of known to be a very um aggressive team but they also like to get into like your head and like play like mind games so Augie and I were actually walking into our locker room before the game started and as we're walking into the locker room, their entire team is banging on their lockers, just like screaming, going like, Amherst, just like saying like their school name, but like banging super loud. And as <laughs> Ruben gave his pregame speech, they were just shouting in the locker room right across from us. So it was even hard to hear what our coach was saying because they were being so loud. And as we got onto the field, same thing, like warm-up start, they're just yelling the entire time. It's just like a loud, like, roar in the background. And it's not like you can't focus, but it's just kind of like – it's kind of just annoying. It's like a nagging sound. They're just, like, trying to throw you off your game. And so they're also known, which I'm not sure if you saw, but there's a guy on their team for every throw-in, he does, like, a gymnastics – flip throw and okay yeah Seen throw it, yeah. the ball like like so far so if he's at half field he can throw it into the box and their entire oh. team goes in for every throw in so it makes your team defend your box like a set piece on yeah. every out of bounds play which is a lot you know you have to get all your guys in the box even yeah. like your attackers have to come back in and defend so that was exhausting, but the score was 0-0 zero, zero at half, and then I can let Augie jump in for what happens in the second half. Come on, Augie. Talk us through the second um, half. Yeah, so just before I go into that, going off of uh, Stevie's points, Amherst, uh, we played them in the regular season. They were our third conference game, and they beat us 2 nothing at our home field. 
So we kind of wanted some revenge. Um, and also our soft, when we were sophomores, we played them at their home field. We were up one, nothing. And they tied the game with like 50 seconds left. And we ended up walking away with one, one tie. So we have, we have a lot of history with Amherst. We played them a few times. We know them and they're a very, um, aggressive team, direct team. You get in your face. They do the flip throw. Um, so it's not necessarily the best soccer game being played. The ball is not really on the ground. You're not, you're not playing between lines. They're not playing between lines, breaking you down, like cutting you open. They're just kind of like direct in your box. They're going to fight for every ball and they're going to try and get a little toe poke in the box. So going into the game, we knew we were going to have to defend our box, like the entire game, no easy goals. Um, so the second half comes around and not really much was going on. We were defending their, their uh, flip throw, their set pieces. We weren't really creating much, but then I think it was the 60th minute. Uh, Stevie gets the ball on top of the box. It's a curler that's going to the far left corner. Their keeper, who is very good keeper, gets the slightest of fingertips to it and pushes it just over the crossbar. So we get a corner. And off the corner, uh, the sophomore, Rye, who assisted Stevie in the semifinals, takes the corner. And he had a perfect in-swinger right on top of the six, right on my head. I got up for it and put it right into the corner. And, yeah, honestly, when, when that happened, I don't really remember, like, the celebration. I kind of just ran to the corner. Everyone came. It was a huge dog pile. Um, <laughs> and at, at that moment, I was like, I think I think we can do it. I think we can pull this off. Um, uh, we sat at the fence for 30 minutes. Um, and to be fair. Ruben, last- Ruben's, Ruben's on the bench all ice cool, just taking <laughs> it in. No problem. Yeah, <laughs> no, no problem. No worries. <laughs> So the last 10, 15 minutes, to be fair, we were, they were really coming at us. I think before that, we had a couple chances where we could have countered, we could have capitalized, took a two-goal lead, where unfortunately we didn't. Um, so the last 10 minutes, they were really coming at us. You know, I, I was starting to get flashbacks because there was two minutes left. We're up oh. on nothing. They're coming oh. at us, balls in our box, just trying to defend. They get a free kick at, at the halfway line, dead smack middle, middle of the field, a minute and 20 seconds left. And their goalkeeper comes up. They have everyone in the box. This is their last chance. They dump the ball into the box. Our keeper punches it, punches it off their center back's back. Who did, he didn't even know the ball hit him. He was just in the box, gets punched, hits the back of him, rolls over, like tumbles over the goal line with the ball. No. It was just a mess of a goal with a minute and like 15 <laughs> seconds left. And I was like, again, this is happening again. Two years later, we were sophomores. They, they did it with a minute and 10 seconds left again. So now we're going to overtime. And honestly, that, that one, that stung when they scored tie one, one. Cause I mean, we, we ended up going to PKs, but if we had lost that, if we had lost in PKs or even in overtime, it's like, wow, we were really a minute away from winning a national championship. And, and it was off a set piece that we were trying to defend all game long. Um, ended up going all the way to PKs. Steve, you want to take us to the PKs? So in the PK shootout, again, um, our freshman goalie peter came in because he's just ice cold um and our lineup was i went first mt went second augie went third lorenzo who was a senior captain went fourth and then jack marvel who was a junior or sophomore went fifth so i shot first in the entire shootout i went down the, the middle and it worked out for me and then their guy went i think it was their center back i don't even know why he went first but that's what they picked and our goalie saved it 
he dove to his right. So the guy went across his body and our goalie saved it. So off the bat, it's one zero us. That was huge for us. You know, like perfect start. Um, Next is MT and he is a right footed player. He goes top right corner, just like buries it. Like no stopping that. And then their next guy goes, he goes to the same side and our goalie dives again and he makes this was the flip throw guy by the way the second shooter for oh average. the, the flip throw he, he, yeah. didn't, he didn't do a flip before he kicked the penalty <laughs> no, no yeah i don't think he's allowed to do that <laughs> so uh peter made a ridiculous save he wow. dove on the ground but this shot was like on the ground completely into the side netting and our goalie stuck out his hand and had a strong wrist and just made a crazy save. So now it's two nil up. You two nil up after two penalties. Exactly. So it's, it's the ideal start. And now Augie comes up and if he makes this, like you pretty much won the, yeah, it's, it's a done deal. And he comes up and don't tell me you missed. He makes it this time, (sighs) but he also made a bunch (laughs) earlier on the season too. Um, But the goalie dove to, Augie's left because Augie had shot a lot of his PKs across his body, but he went right down the middle, right on the ground. The guy was stunned. So at this point it's three zero. And if our goalie saves this, it's just over. But of course they score it. So it's he guessed right though. He guessed right again. Yeah, he he did guess right. And so now our fourth PK taker is Lorenzo, who was an absolute beast all season. He played holding mid, um, has never like scored a goal, but like just like worked so hard all year was like a rock was like the general of our team. So it only felt right that he got like the game winning PK um, because he was just so solid all year and he just buried it into the side netting. We all mobbed him in the corner, all of our fans jumped over the hats came flying out all the confetti was there it was a huge celebration and i felt sorry for them because like their goalie didn't save one pk but uh you know for us it was just it was amazing it was everything we asked for so it was awesome. That's great. Well, you're you're a much nicer person than me, Steve, because I wouldn't have felt sorry for them. <laughs> I, <laughs> I didn't really feel sorry. I just kind of said that, but uh, <laughs> that was... brilliant. So, so Ruben, what what a journey that was. I mean, you must be so proud of your whole team. But I mean, we're we're just talking with two of you guys, and you must be so proud of not only you know how they, they got you to that that final and they they won the the game, but also just listening to them today. They're obviously outstanding guys and. Uh, so you, you just must be so proud. Yeah, for sure. Really, really proud. Not not just not just with the outcome and the result, but with the character, the resiliency. One thing that we really haven't talked about in the podcast is uh kind of the team team first mentality. You know, there's a lot of guys, maybe half the team that didn't play in the final, guys that didn't play throughout the year. One of our captains, Aiden Scales, a senior, was not a starter. I think everyone just wanted what's best for the team, put others before themselves, you know, at, at the age of 18, 19, 20, it's, we live in a culture where it's all about me, 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 me. And, uh, to have guys that were very selfless, a lot of discipline, even throughout COVID COVID was the key 
They, you know, they just kept their head down, got better as players persevered. And yeah, we, we didn't have it easy this year. You, you heard all about the double headers, the loss to Tufts, you know, having to win in PKs. You know, I think it was a it was a battle tested team. So yeah, it's it's easy to talk about being proud uh for what they achieved, but I think I think they showed a lot of uh a lot of heart and a lot of personality this year. And and these guys are coming back next year. So, you know, you, you're gonna have a strong team for next season. Yeah. And- well, Let's be careful there, right? It's nothing's <laughs> nothing's a given. These guys Absolutely. don't work. These guys don't work hard in the spring. That's what I was getting onto. Is that your season's so condensed and and so intense uh, from September through to December? Now you know you get your Christmas break. Now we're in January. What what is the program now? Do they do they have games now? Do they just have training now? What, what's the what's the spike? it's per, it's predom- when you're at the Division three level. It's predominantly training. And and um, supplemental work like uh, conditioning and, and li- uh, lifting program. We have a fantastic strength and conditioning coach, Annalise. We have guys that are studying abroad in in Italy and Spain, and you know it's 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 about kind of re-identifying who we want to be next year and and um, focusing individually what each player needs to do to uh, prepare for next year. And, and recruiting as well. Is this a big yeah. time for you to, to get your recruiting going? So yeah. again, what, what are you looking for? You know, when you, you're going out, do you go to scouting players and, and, and where, yeah, do you, looking, where do you look for your players and, and what are you looking for? I'm looking for players that are better than these two knuckleheads. <laughs> um, so try, trying to always raise the bar. First and foremost, you know, when you, when you bring guys onto campus and and you have phone calls and, and you get to know the family, look, you know, looking for high integrity people, um, you know, people that value academics, people that value um, work ethic and, and coachability and discipline, you know, the things that we try to emulate as a program. So guys that will align themselves with us, but part of the recruiting is what you lose. You know, we lose, we'll lose these two guys after the fall. We'll lose uh, a very good goalkeeper, center backs, um, you know, a variety of positions. So you're here focusing on your positional needs, but, um, but yeah, I think the main thing is always raising the bar. You know, I think we're at a point as a program where you shouldn't, shouldn't really be bringing in project players. You should be bringing in guys that can help you right away and, keep the standards and, and now's a great time to recruit while you're strong you're national champion sure. so you know you're going to be attractive to people and do you do you recruit overseas or do you just concentrate in in the united states yeah a little bit of both at division three it's hard to recruit uh overseas when as a division three program you don't have athletic scholarship money you know as a result you see a lot of d2s and d1s um because they, you know, they have more money to operate with. Yeah, they can they can attract uh, overseas players. But we do a little bit. Uh, we have an Icelandic boy. You heard uh, Augie and Steve talk about MT, who is from Zimbabwe. We have uh, a couple Spanish boys, but but yeah, per, the vast majority of the roster is um, is domestic Americans. But um, you know, to give these guys a unique four year experience where they can meet. And, and become best friends of all walks of life, you know, I think it gives them a rewarding experience to have teammates from different backgrounds. Absolutely. And and looking ahead, 
you know, you've got another season and fall season, Oggy and, and Steve. You know, this time next year, what do you see yourselves doing? What are your ambitions? You know, I'd, I'd say that, uh, you know, the goal is to, you know, do it again. But I'd say more importantly, I think we want to have a more complete season, meaning that we lost a lot of games that I feel like we should not have lost. And I think, you know, going into next season, there's going to be a lot of expectation for us, but I think it's important for us to stay focused on, you know, one game at a time. But I think for us, you know, first in the conference is a goal, you know, NESCAC tournament champions is a goal as well. And then getting back to the final four as well is uh yeah. critical for us yeah well, fantastic and then Augie when when you leave Connecticut College you know what are you looking to do um yeah so that, that'll be a year from now I'll be kind of done yeah. with college and getting into the real world I think honestly for at least a, a year or two I do want to try and continue to play soccer at the highest level that I can um this some this summer I'm playing in the USL2 which is the fourth division of the American soccer pyramid um, I know Stevie's also playing in the MPSL, and I think he has aspirations to play soccer after college too. At least when you're young, when you when you can try, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. I mean, we we'll, we have our degree, we have a good education. I think uh, jobs will be will be easier to come by. Um, but yeah, I mean, for right now, my mindset is uh, stay in shape, keep getting better every day, get ready for the summer season, and then yeah, do it again next fall, and. Um, Try and go back to back national champions. Absolutely. Well, fellas, Ruben, uh, Steve, Augie, it's been an absolute pleasure to meet you. And it's been fantastic listening to the story. What a season. You know, you had so many ups and downs, but I'm I'm so pleased that that it came right for you in the end. And, and it sounds like you've worked so hard individually, but as a group to to make that happen. So many congratulations. It's been a pleasure chatting to you. And uh, I hope you've enjoyed your time on the Go Play Soccer podcast. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, deep, deep appreciation for hosting us. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And if you have a question or comment for us, or if you'd like to take part in one of our podcasts, please email podcast at goplaysoccer.com. <laughs>